0: Mark chapter 10. I'm going to read verses 35 through 45, which will be our main text, but I'm also going to be referencing chapter 10, verse 52. So I'm going to read 35 through 45, and then I'm going to jump down and read verse 52. When you get there, give me an oh yeah. yeah. If you need a minute, say, hold up, brother. Fantastic. Hear the word of the Lord. And James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came up to him and said to him, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. And he said to them, What do you want me to do for you? And they said to him, grant, to us one at your, grant us to sit, one at your right hand, one at your left, in your glory. Jesus said to them, You do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink or to be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized? And they said to him, We are able. And Jesus said to them, the cup that I drink, you will drink. And with the baptism with which I am baptized, you will be baptized. But to sit at my right hand or at my left is not mine to grant, but it is for those it is for those for whom it has been prepared. And when the ten heard it, they began to be indignant at James and John. And Jesus called them to him and said to them, you know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. And their great ones exercise authority over them. But it shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must also be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Verse 52. And Jesus said to him, blind Bartimaeus, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be, to God. Thanks be to God. So there was a moment when I realized my senior year of college that things would be different. We had just gotten this uh, transfer quarterback from the University of Texas. He was an all-star, high-caliber quarterback. And on the second play of the first drive of the first game, he comes into the huddle he looks shell shocked and i realize that now my role in the team has immediately changed because this guy cannot tell us what the play is he's receiving from the sideline so i remember in one particular very salient vivid moment it's the second play on the first drive we're looking at the sideline to get the signal and he's got deer in headlights look so we're on the field On national television. And he can't talk. So I take it upon myself to read the signal. I then relay the signal. He looks at me. He's like, thank you. And then we break and we go out to the play. And I'm thinking that's one play. Little did I know that every time I was on the field, which was a lot, I would have to call the play because he could not receive the information and then translate that information. And I remember when... uh, My coaches found out because it was a pretty uh, uh, tightly held secret. We didn't want to embarrass him, but I remember my coaches found out. And their first response was, how dare you? Who do you think you are? And I just sat there and I took it. So I said, all right, coach, you know what? I won't won't call the plays anymore. So the next game comes. We're standing there. I decide I'm not calling any plays. I get to the sideline. They're like, what's going on? I call this play. This is what happened. I just keep my mouth shut. And one of the guys says, well, coach, Cook ain't in there to call the plays no more. He can't do it. And that's when they realized, like, oh. And that's when I realized how audacious of you to confront me about helping our team. Audacity. Audacity. An incredibly rude and disrespectful thing to do than me, I'm trying to help you, and you wanna come at me this way. Audacity, audacious, if you will. That is James and John, audacious. The fact that they would ask the question that they did in the manner in which they did is astounding. It is the definition of audacity. The first thing we see this morning is we see two self-serving sons. Now, to give them credit, James and John are the sons of, aren't the sons of thunder for no reason. And they asked the question, Lord, let us sit at your right and one at your left. Now, a couple of things. You've got an inner circle of Peter, James, and John. So you've got an inner circle of Peter, James, and John. But in this text, you've got James and John. Where's Peter. Now, if you were to remember, Peter is likely dictating his experiences to John Mark, who's writing all this down, so Peter would never have forgotten this audacious moment. If he's on the inner circle with these guys, and they leave him out to ask a question about sitting on the right and the left, you can please believe Peter ain't never forgetting this. Now, in Jewish culture, it was customary that when a rabbi would be walking down the street, his number one disciple would be on his right hand, his number two disciple would be on his left, So the prominent disciples on the right, the second most prominent disciples on the left, and here James and John asking Jesus effectively to do the same thing in glory. And where is Peter? He's not here. Because these two men believe that the kingdom of God centers on power and prominence. They want the seats of exaltation in the kingdom, which makes sense. If you're two fishermen, making your living on the Sea of Galilee, and you've got an opportunity to scratch and claw and climb your way to the top, you're going to take it. And yet Jesus here in just a minute gives us the contrary picture to show us what the kingdom of God is actually really like. Second thing we see this morning is a self-sacrificing savior. We go from self-serving sons into a self-sacrificing savior when he says, are you able to drink the cup? When you see imagery in the Bible, it's really important to slow down and understand what is being said. Jesus uses two references here. One, he uses the cup reference. Second, he uses the baptism reference. And when he uses it concerning himself, about himself, the cup and baptism mean one thing. But then he uses it and applies it to the disciples, and now cup and baptism mean something different. Let me explain. If you were to be in a medieval king's court and perhaps if you've seen King Arthur, it's something like that. You've got chain mail and you've got heavy metal, uh, not ACDC or Metallica. You've got claymores. You've got uh, vassals and fiefdoms and serfs and all the things. But what you've got in the king's court is you have a cupbearer. And the role of the cupbearer was to partake of the king's food and drink before the king himself would drink it. So a cupbearer would take a sip out of the cup, make sure that it wasn't poison. How would you know that it was poison? Because that cupbearer would cease to be breathing. But the cupbearer would essentially drink the poison and take the brunt of that to spare the king's life. The beautiful thing about Jesus is that the roles are reversed. Now the king is the one who's becoming the cup bearer. To imbibe the cup, meaning the wrath of God, to take away the wrath of God away from us so that we might enjoy the fruit of his work. There's something really beautiful about baptism because here Jesus is referring to, and this is the first time that we see Jesus referring to baptism in terms of suffering. But when you think about baptism, if water represents the wrath of God, Jesus passes through the wrath of God and then raises to newness of life successfully. The only human being to ever be able to do that, Jesus says, are you able to drink the cup? Are you able, friend, to take on the full brunt, weight, and force of the wrath of God? Are you? The answer to that is no. But James and John seem to think that it is. So then Jesus says, you will drink a cup and you will endure the baptism that I do, but the sense is different. He's like, you're going to suffer and be persecuted for your faith. But what I've been sent to do is something much more particular. Our cup and our baptism friends is the reality that when you choose to follow Jesus, there will be people who will walk away because you've chosen to follow Jesus. There will be uh, you will be badmouthed and shunned and maligned because you've chosen to follow Jesus. You may not receive a job because you've chosen to follow Jesus, and your life as a Jesus follower may be hard because you've chosen to follow Jesus. Jesus says to you, "You will drink my cup. You will endure and undergo baptism." but it won't be to the measure and the like that Jesus did. Now, if we were to fast forward through the narrative, can you imagine James and John shuffling Jesus up a little bit ahead of everybody else? Hey Jesus, hey Jesus, hey Jesus, I got something I wanna ask you, hey Jesus. And then you know the other disciples are back there, it's just a regular day, but Peter's on high alert because he's like, hey, what's happening here? So it's like Jesus, James and John, and then Peter, and then the rest of the disciples, and all of a sudden they get wind of what's happening and they become indignant. That word means angry, upset. You might use a different word that we can't say in church here, but they were angry. They're furious because they know that James and John want to rule over them. They want to be in power over them. Peter's indignant because he's like, uh-uh, uh-uh. I'm number one. Who are you? The audacity of the question. And then Jesus calls them all in closely. He calls them all in and he says, hey, y'all come on in here because we need to talk. This is a come to Jesus meeting. This is where that (laughs) definition comes from. (laughs) It is a come to Jesus meeting because I need y'all to know what the kingdom is like. So he begins to explain what the kingdom is like. In verse 42, he says, those who are Gentiles, they lord it over others, meaning that they exercise authority other people, which means that they have a firm hand and they say, I'm the leader, you follow no matter what, I'm the boss of you. There was a president of the FIFA, uh, FIFA the uh, uh, International Football uh, Association, who after winning an appeal, uh, for the dispute of his presidency, he says, and I quote, I'm the president of everybody. And in his mind, it was him saying, I exist for the rest of y'all to serve me. Jesus says, that's what the world thinks. That those in power and authority, that they exist so everybody else can serve them. But Jesus says, this will not be true over you because whoever wants to be great must be your servant and whoever would be first must be slave of all. Why? Because the son of man did not come to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Here's the crystallizing point here. The kingdom, kingdom of God ethics aren't about power and control but about our humility and sacrifice. Kingdom of God ethics aren't about our power or control but about humility and sacrifice. If you want to be famous, you're asking the wrong question. If you wanna be great and prominent, you first have to be a servant. Perhaps one of the highest designations we can receive is one of a servant, one who gives their life for others. Jesus is God. Jesus is God. Jesus is not born nor made. Jesus is the purpose for all of this. Everything was created by him, through him, and for him. It is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit existing in a triumvirate of divine harmony for all of time before time was even a thing. This guy, that guy, God is saying to us, I'm going to drink the wrath of God for you because only God can satisfy God. And I'm going to go to the cross to receive the punishment for you because only God can satisfy God. And furthermore, I've come, not so y'all can serve and worship me, but I'm coming to serve you. Friends, if Jesus does that, then how dare we ever expect other people to serve us? The kingdom of God flips every earthly thing every earthly form of hierarchy on its head. And the next thing we get in the next pericope with blind Bartimaeus, and what's important for us to walk away from today is that we get simple steps. We move from self-serving sons into a self-sacrificing savior. And then finally we finish it here in simple steps because the simple steps, I've got two of them this morning. If you want to be great, serve. If you want to rise, serve. If you want to be a leader in our church, serve. It's the greatest and it's the fast track to success in the kingdom of God. The problem is, the problem is we want to take shortcuts. Serving takes too long. I don't like old girl back here to work in this particular classroom. I don't like the way these folks make coffee. I don't like the way these folks greeted me at the door this morning. Well, how about you get in that classroom? Or how about you going make coffee? And how about you go serve at the door? Service is the pathway to greatness, So the first thing. It's the highest honor. If you wanna be great, serve. But the second thing that blind Bartimaeus shows us is that Jesus is more concerned about our faith than he is our, our fame. When Bartimaeus comes to Jesus and cries out, son of David, have mercy on me, son of David, have mercy on me, and they bring him to Jesus. And he asked, what do you want for me to do to you? And he says, Lord, help me recover my sight. And to which Jesus responds and says, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And then, and this is so astounding. He says, go your way, AKA, hey, we done here. I love you, but you go do your thing. I'm gonna go do mine. And it says in the text that Bartimaeus turns and follows Jesus. Now, what's really important about that, I think, is if you were blind your entire life and now all of a sudden you could see, you would need someone to show you what life was like. You would need someone to follow in order to know what it was to be human. Now that you can see, and some of you are colorblind, so you understand the struggle, but now that you can see, you realize that perhaps you've not worn the right clothes. You've not used the right utensils. Now, cities... They look different than what they smell like and they look different than what they sound like. You need somebody to show you what life in living is like. The fact that Bartimaeus follows Jesus is one of the most simple and profound acts of discipleship and literally he's got to follow Jesus and do, he has to do what Jesus does exactly like Jesus does it in order to even know what life is like. It's simple. If you want to be great, serve. But if you want to be great, follow Jesus. Do what he does. Just follow him around and do everything that he does. Read in the text, listen to the text. As Jesus moves, so too should we do what Jesus does. Because I was thinking this week, how would I picture what this looks like in terms of us following Jesus? I, I've got a picture I wanna show you guys and I want y'all to tell me what this is. What is that? Okay, now imagine, this. go with me for a minute, okay? Imagine being a baby giraffe out in the middle of the African savanna, and all of a sudden you come to a watering hole and you realize that your body has a poor proportion to be able to drink. How in the world does a giraffe learn how to drink? It watches its mother. So it watches its mother spread legs all the way out wide and get down real low. And so this baby giraffe does the same thing. It emulates its mother. It has to follow and do what its mother does in order for it to learn how to drink water. We're like baby giraffes, friends. None of us have PhDs in following Jesus. We're all looking at Jesus to know what life is like. And it's simple, be a servant, and do what Jesus does. And here's the result. The result is you don't have to be like James and John and ask to be seated at the right hand of the left hand of the Father. The result is that when Christ Jesus does come and he does come in power to conquer all, his kingdom that was inaugurated, he's going to install. At that point, we all will be elevated to sit at the right hand of Christ Jesus because it will be flat in heaven. There is no hierarchy in the kingdom of God. As the old saints used to say, that the foot, it's flat at the foot of the cross, why? Because we have a king and it's not us. We have a ruler and it's not us. We have a boss and it's not us. His name is Jesus. It's the father of heaven, it is the son, and it's the spirit of God himself. So two very simple things, serve others and follow Jesus. Why? Because if you wanna be great, lastly, Service is greatness. Let's pray. Father, I am grateful for your word and the ways in which it encounters us where we are and ministers to our soul where we are. Would you help us this morning to hear your word and not just hear it but do it? And would you speak to us now and let us know exactly how it is that you would have us to apply it? Lord, we love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.